Welcome to the Fairlosophy Podcast, where we have open conversations about fair trade fashion, sustainability, human trafficking, and artisans from all over the world. We're so happy you're here. My name is Jackie Costello, and my co-host is Jen Parlin. We are two women passionate about the impact of fair trade brands and inspired by the people behind them. Our goal is to connect you to the people and companies that make the world a better place. This episode today is focused around the topic of veganism. I found it so interesting, and whatever your stance is on the subject, I definitely recommend sticking around and listening to this episode. Jackie chats with Vegan Danielle, animal activist and host of the Vegan Danielle podcast. There was some minor construction happening while recording, so you may pick that up in a few areas, but you know, we like to keep it real here. Enjoy the episode and share any insights you may have gained with us on social media. so grateful you could join us today. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Ooh, that's a long question. <laughs> Loaded question. Start out broad. But. So when I was born, no. <laughs> yeah, thanks so much for having me. So I, uh, let's see, I guess most important thing, I've been vegan since November of 2015. Um, that kind of came about through a long journey of self-destruction and uh, rehabilitation and kind of finding myself, I guess, at some point. Uh, all summarized into one thing. I I currently have my own podcast. Um, it's pretty simple. It's just vegan Danielle, like everything else. But it's taken me a long point to get to this journey. So I'm sure we'll get into some of that. Yeah, amazing. Um, I love the simplicity, vegan Danielle. You know, that's. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny how that actually happened. I, it was because of Instagram. I was on there, and I I don't remember what my name was to begin with, but it was something along the lines of Danielle in San Diego or something like that. And and <laughs> I wasn't. Simple. Yeah, right. Just right to the point. Uh, and I I wasn't vegan at the time and and I didn't really like I had been off of social media for a while I had deleted Facebook and MySpace was expired and you know, all that <laughs> stuff and so I uh I was off for a while and then this new Instagram thing came around and I actually jumped on a couple years after Instagram started I think and then um I was just posting like food and working out and then I went vegan and then I was like looking it up I was like I gotta make something to like state that I'm vegan and I started seeing some people posting we'll just put vegan in front of your name I'm like all right I'm vegan Danielle so that's how it started (laughs) I love it how long have you been vegan and what made you decide to go vegan uh so it was November right around Thanksgiving in 2015 um and it was kind of a mixture of things happening at the same time so I had just been diagnosed with thyroid cancer, and I was in school full-time. I was a math major. I was taking 19 units. Like, life was stressful. I was also working at a restaurant, and um, things were insane. And then all of a sudden, finals week, I get this diagnosis of cancer, and it was like, what? Like, as if my life couldn't get crazier at this point. And... um, you know, it was kind of a rare finding. I, I was, I, I hadn't taken any of my prerequisites before. I was just all focused on major classes and I took health 101 or whatever it was. And the teacher said, well, if you want to, the teacher, the professor <laughs> uh, said, well, if you guys want to get extra credit, you can go to your doctor and go get a physical and just bring me back proof that you went. Oh my okay, God. fine. Yeah. So this, this was, is how you found out. This is how I found out. Like this, Whoa. I like forever will hold this place in my heart for this teacher professor. <laughs> I keep saying this like elementary school. Um, and he, so yeah, we, I went to go get a physical and the doctor felt my throat and he goes, you know, 
I kind of feel like there might be something there, but I had always had inflamed tonsils from when I was a kid. And like, it, I don't know, it didn't scare me at all. I was like, all right, whatever. And so he sent me to go get an ultrasound and then I go get an ultrasound at this, um, uh, endocrinology place. And he's like, you know, there, there really is something there. And I'm still kind of thinking like, ah, whatever, you know, it's, I'm, I swear it's nothing. I'm fine. And he said, well, you know, I'd still feel better if we did a biopsy. I'm like, all right, fine. So I do the biopsy and still like, like he's, they do like another ultrasound while they're doing the biopsy and they stick this like needle in your neck and it's just, it's kind of weird. And, and then I'm still not concerned. And then I get a call and the number pops up as the endocrinology office, but I was expecting it to be like the front desk nurse or something. And, and it's the doctor. And I'm like, uh oh, like I know when you get a call from the actual physician, it might be bad news, you know? Um, and so then the first thing he asked me is, are you like driving or sitting or something? And I'm like, oh my God. So I sit down, I'm like shaking. I'm like, okay, what the hell? And he's like, well, what we found is cancerous. And, um, you know, there, there was some good news. It was encapsulated, which means it was surrounded by other tissue to prevent it from spreading elsewhere. Your body sometimes naturally does that. And wow. I was fortunate because lymph nodes are close by and yeah. that's the cancer you don't want. <laughs> totally. Um, thankfully, thyroid cancer is very curable mostly. And it's a very easy type of cancer to have. Like if you'd want to pick one, it would right. be that one. <laughs> Comparably, right. <laughs> yeah. And and so I got super lucky. They they took out, um, it was called a lobectomy. So they take out one lobe of the thyroid. And usually the other one takes on full function. And in my case, it did. So Amazing. it was like no chemo, no radiation, cut out, you know, half my thyroid and go back to life. And uh, I mean, it was emotionally stressful and draining and, and what the hell is going to happen to me sort yeah. of situation and financially not the best thing I've ever spent money on. But <laughs> <laughs> um, good news is, I, I guess, fast forwarding back to your question or reverting back to your question was um, I had already I, I had already like had a tiny bit of exposure. I saw Vegucated or a few minutes of Vegucated, which wasn't even a very popular vegan documentary, but it came up on YouTube. And this was around the same time that I had the diagnosis for the cancer. And so there was a combination of like animals and health. And I, Vegucated showed this tiny little scene of factory farming that was nothing compared to what I've seen now. Nothing like earthlings or whatever. It was literally just like some guy pushing a pig or something. And I freaked out. And I don't know how, like I, I had this like moment of like, how did I not? not know that a dead animal had to actually die before it became dead. You know, it was just this like, what? Uh, We're so separated from it. So separated. That's exactly what it is. We're just so separated. (sighs) We're desensitized, all of it. And it's like, I was, and I, I mean, I hear a lot of people saying this, I don't feel like I'm unique in this, but I was that person that was so sensitive to animals and animal lover. And like, I would see a dead mouse in the street and be like, oh my God, like, And I was eating them. And yeah. it was just like, what the hell? How did I not know this? So that those two things combined were like, never again. It's crazy. Yeah. Wow. So so because you saw uh, it wasn't related to health then. It was related to the animals it at that point. It was 100% about the animals. But the diagnosis of the cancer just really made me focus on whole food plant-based. It was gotcha. like low acidity. I kept on hearing like remove acidity from mm. your diet. And so I had actually become vegan before the thyroid diagnosis, okay. I don't remember how many months. It was like a few months, I think. Okay. But it really just solidified my yeah. like, yup, this is what I'm doing. And I went for like super alkaline diet. I was like super whole food plant-based and 
just basically dropped everything. Yeah. So, wow. So can you explain alkaline a little bit and what that means in regards to your diet? Yeah. So a higher alkaline diet, it's just basically focusing the, the pH levels. So like acidity has like this super low, wait, am I getting it backwards? On the pH scale. Wow. I should have this in front of me right now. Um, Basically, it's the opposite of acid. <laughs> yeah, I believe, yeah, the high alkaline was like the 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 higher numbers. Please don't quote me on that. I just remember okay. it was the opposite of alkaline. What types of, of foods then were you looking Yeah, at that's that a better eating? way to put it. So meat and dairy are very acidic in your body. Uh, they, uh, and high acid plays a role in bad cell reproduction so like like cancer cells or or cells with certain deformities just cells that are not good in our body fuel off of acidity and um yeah meat and dairy are, are the top ones and then on the other side alkaline is like the super leafy greens and just the non-processed foods and then there's even some foods like lemons that are like acidic in their own nature but with the way your body processes them they give an alkaline effect to the body. And I mean, obviously I'm not a scientist, so someone could explain that better, but <laughs> it's somewhat along the lines of that. And so when I started realizing that like, okay, maybe you can't cure cancer with eating greens, but at least I would like to try my best to not fuel it right, absolutely. <laughs> with the other stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, even to this day, like, of course, I'm guilty of eating a Beyond Burger here and there. But I really try to keep my diet very, like, green-based and very just, like, clean on that side. So. Awesome. Um, and did you jump into veganism right away or were you um, vegetarian first mm. and then veganism? No, I was one of those crazy overnight. Wow. Like, like, and this was right around Thanksgiving. This was about a week, I think, before. I don't know the exact date, but I saw the documentary. Oh, I think it was the next morning. It was either that night or the next morning. I was so upset. And I mean, once again, I barely even scratched the surface of factory farming. But just the little bit I saw, I was like, oh, my God, never again. And I went to my fridge and just, like, dumped everything out. Like, it was just, like, grabbing <laughs> cheese and meat. And I used to buy so much chicken breast at Costco. And that was all in the freezer. And I, like, yeah, it was the next morning because I put everything in a bag. And I came to my neighbor's house. And I was like, hey, <laughs> I'm vegan. Here. <laughs> and she, like, looked at me and was like. Okay. <laughs> oh my God, this girl's crazy. Like, what's vegan and what the hell? Why are you giving me all this food? Oh uh, and I was just like, never again. And then I yeah. started learning about fur and I had these like, I hate to even admit it, but these coach boots that were lined with fur. And then I had like, like all these leather things. I just start ripping everything out of my closet. And then I, I kind of had a second of clarity and was like, okay, the food I'm not going to eat. Right. But the leather jackets and the leather boots and the shoes and the purses, like, that animal's already dead. And and this is still how I feel today. Um, I might as well use the products that were made from it as long as I can, or at least give them to someone who yes. can. Like, don't just throw it away. Totally. So I decided to keep some pieces that, like, like not the fur. I couldn't even, like, look at that. But the um, the leather boots and the leather jackets, I'm like, you know what? These these could be used for another 10 years. Yeah. They're really durable. They're and quality. Like, let me just... I already own them. Exactly. Point, you know? I've already done the damage. Yeah. And like you kind of mentioned, um, like eco sustainability, sustainability too. And, and so I thought, well, you know, if I get rid of these things, I'm going to have to replace them with something else. And, and, you know, now I'm 
you know, contributing to different kind of harm factory, you know, sort of yeah. stuff or transportation, you know, it takes how many trucks it took to get something to me or whatever. So I, I made the decision myself. I know people are very different with this, but I decided to keep all my leather stuff and, and use all of it until I can't anymore. Yeah. Some of it actually, I did donate to a thrift store, but there, there's definitely still some stuff I have. I just, I won't wear it to a vegan restaurant <laughs> or like a protest or like, you know, <laughs> yeah, totally. something like that. But <laughs> <laughs> oh my god okay well i'd love to dive into how veganism is related to sustainability and maybe why that could be the best diet um you know if you're an environmentalist or if you care about the planet those kinds of things yeah you know i i definitely recommend people watch cowspiracy because there's a lot of facts in there that i you know couldn't necessarily name off the top of my head but um animal agriculture is responsible for i think it's well i know it's more than half i'll just say that more than half of all greenhouse gas emissions and and we're not even talking about like like one thing i mention a lot that it was just this realization that i had when i was walking into a store was even if you just care about plastic and that's the only thing that you're worried about Fresh fruits and vegetables do not come in plastic. Like, if you're shopping in the produce department and you bring your own bags, you can literally be 100% plastic-free. Every piece of meat and cheese and milk and dairy and everything, maybe minus eggs, comes in plastic. So that alone is like you're eliminating you can eliminate all of your plastic just by going whole food plant-based, um, at least in your food, you know, when it comes to food. And then... As mentioned, you know, with the the emissions from slaughterhouses, and then we're talking about the waste that's dumped into the ocean or whatever. So I I now I go up to Farmer John Slaughterhouse in um, Los Angeles to do some filming for LA Animal Safe sometimes, and it's we have an agreement with the police department there that the trucks that are bringing in the pigs uh, have to stop for three minutes and we're allowed to give the pigs water while they're there. And it's this last little, like, let's give them a little love before this happens to them. And it's the most horrific thing I've ever done in my life. Oh my God, but it's be so hard. It's, I mean, it usually tears me up for a, like a day or two yeah. after um, because we're seeing, I, I don't want to get too graphic. We're seeing things happen to their digestive tracts that, cause them to look differently. We're seeing wounds from being hit. Um, there's most of them have abscesses. Most of them have cuts. They're, they're only six months old. Like these are Ugh. babies. And, and how many would you say are in this? Oh, truck? so 10,000 a day are <gasps> slaughtered at that location alone. Oh my God. And it's, it's not an exact number because unfortunately they don't even count them as individuals. They count them as weight. So it goes by how much weight goes in there every day. Wow. Like basically how much meat's going to come out. So, so if you think about this, 10,000 a day, this is one location, yeah. one slaughterhouse. I don't know how many there are in the United States, but I know Smithfield Farms over in North Carolina uh, kills 40,000 a day Ugh. every day. And this That's is just insane. America. This is just one species. Yeah. Like people eat more chicken than pigs. So I don't even know the numbers on chickens, but just getting back to the environmental side. So it's this slaughterhouse is right on the California aqueduct in Vernon, California. They, there's like these big pipes out the back of the slaughterhouse with just guts and like, like feces and stuff that get dumped right into the aqueduct. Like I, I saw it, like you can walk around the back of it and there's fences, but you can see through some of it. Now, how much waste, even if you don't care about the animals, does 10,000 pigs produce? So they don't have a whole lot of feces in them because, unfortunately, they haven't been allowed to have any food or water for three days on the trucks. But there's going to be some 
some fecal matter. There's going to be abscesses, like things that are dangerous to the public health. Um, blood, guts, bones, like things that cannot be used in the industry. So like that alone, we're just dumping this into the ocean. Like, like how is that? You know, how is that Daily, sustainable? 10, Daily. Oh my God. Like, I don't even know the the amount, the volume that comes out of there. It's yeah. insane. Um, so like that is a whole nother thing that we're polluting our oceans with this. And then not to mention all of the pesticides and the crap because we have to up our, you know, produce. This is another thing. So when we talk about like soy, wheat, and corn, those are the top three things that are fed in animal agriculture. Most of them, well, the ones that are fed to the animals are not organic and we're spraying more pesticides. We're using up more land. We're burning down forests in the Amazon to grow these crops just so we can feed them to the animals. And it's like, you know, sometimes people have this argument oh well you know if you're vegan you're eating so many plants so like you know you're causing more environmental damage I'm like well how many plants do you think it takes to feed a cow or a pig or a chicken for you to eat because it's way more than what I'm eating not to mention the amount of rainforest we have to cut down to actually create these slaughterhouses like like and it's it's just insane there's just so many levels and there's there's so many levels and there's so much to talk about I mean even just with the Amazon burning recently and people being so concerned about that, but then not caring that we're destroying our land and our rainforests to eat animals. Right. So it's like this whole, like, it's so, so weird. twisted. I and, know. Yeah. And it's, again, because we're all so desensitized and we just don't understand and realize what's going on. And there is so much to talk about and so many layers. Yeah. It's hard. It is. And, and yeah, that's the thing. Like, we could literally do an entire podcast that would probably be three hours long on, like, everything humans are doing to destroy the planet. Just, you know, I, I don't want to really say personal greed in a way that it's like, oh, all you people are jerks, but it's it's just a disconnect. Yeah, I think there's a lot of really good people out there that are very disconnected. Yes, totally. Yeah, we're disconnected from what's happening in the fashion industry. We're oh, disconnected yes. what's happening with animal agriculture we're disconnected with materialism in general oh my you know, god all of it is and it's to me it's all so closely related yeah but to other people they could be um you know an ethical fashionista but not <laughs> eat eat veganism I and like know. it's all to me it's very closely related so. i think all of it revolves around consciousness yes. like and and that's one thing like you're talking about the fashion industry man that's an industry that i'm really working to get better at like i i have no shame in buying stuff from the thrift store which i think is like a really easy way to i love thrift me shopping. too like there's some cool <laughs> yeah. stuff but like you know, I'm guilty of like, oh, I need a new pair of tennis shoes. Okay, Adidas, you know, yeah. is that sustainable? No. Yeah. Like, yes. And it's hard because we we want something so quick. Yep. We're like, well, I don't have time to go to the thrift store. I'll buy it online. I'll shop from Amazon, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. So that's what I think is such a big part of it. We just need to slow down a little. Yes. You know, think about what we need and then start shopping for it at thrift stores or, you know, wherever we know is an ethical place instead of now, 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 now. Yeah. It's that instant gratification. I see it. I want it. I buy it. Yep. And Instagram and social media has really played a huge part in that. And I mean, I think most of us are guilty of it. You know, it's like, we're just so used to saying, well, I want my groceries. I want my, my leggings. I want my shoes. One click button. I can get it this afternoon. Yes. Like, it's insane. It is insane. Like, how all of that has changed in the last couple of years. Like, how quickly we can get things, mm-hmm. you know, between Amazon and food delivery and all of it. It's yeah. insane. 
So how, I'd like to talk a little bit about how maybe you might have changed your habits um, besides your diet once you became vegan. And again, not just – I know you touched a little bit on, you know, your fur boots and things like that, but anything else that – You know, it's it's funny. I Something I'm really open about, but I don't think a lot of people know because I don't bring it up all the time. So I – when I lived in L.A., which was – so I, I came to San Diego in 2012 – uh, and then went vegan in 2015. But the reason I came to San Diego was because I was running away from a life of self-destruction and insanity, to be honest. I uh, I was in the modeling and entertainment industry in L.A. Um, I got really wrapped up in drugs, heavy drug use, heavy alcohol use, and kind of came to San Diego as this like last hope of like, all right, like I, I can't be in the middle of this stuff here. So I'm just going to move and hope it gets better here. And and thankfully I had, you know, a, a little bit of a support system. I had my grandma, she was like the rock and I uh, went to rehab and like basically everything kind of started from there. But um, it's interesting because I th- that that kind of I feel started my journey, even though I didn't know it at the time. So it was like, OK, 2012 It was actually around November in 2012. And then I a lot of crazy things happened through this time, too. And then my grandma passed away and she was like the reason I got sober and like all these things. And then um, I ended up going vegan. It was just kind of this like I just felt like it just worked. Like I was, I started this journey of just more of a healthy living, just cutting out drugs, cutting out alcohol, cutting out negative friends, um, just cutting out a lot of things that weren't like servicing me anymore. And so, I mean, it took me another three years to end up cutting out the animal products, but I feel like when I first started, I was kind of because of the cancer, I was kind of already focused on whole food plant-based. So I wasn't the one that jumped and like Beyond Burgers weren't out yet. So I wasn't the (laughs) one that like jumped into like Carl's Jr. Like, let's go support the Beyond Burger. Um, But it did kind of turn into that. Like after the cancer was gone and I had the surgery and everything was fine. It was like, oh man, there's like Gardein and there's, you know, all these like brands that you can get in uh, the grocery stores that, and they weren't in fast food chains yet, but I was like, just kind of turned into a junk food vegan, like, oh, well, I can have French fries and I can have Oreos and I can have, you know, all these kind of things. Um, but then I, I ended up reverting back because it was like, I, I'm super passionate about fitness and going to the gym and being in shape. And yep. and I think um, toxicity, whether it's an Oreo or drugs or, you know, whatever. I mean, I think obviously there's different levels, but when you're filling your body with toxic things, you don't have as much opportunity to to see other things like I get I feel like it puts almost like a block between you and like whether that's success or or like ultimate health whatever that means or just like I don't know just growth in general so like I said before like I definitely indulge in like vegan junk food here and there but I really try to focus on like all right clean mind clean food clean you know I do drink now um, here and there, but it's like, that's a whole nother thing too. Like, okay, don't drink too much because you're not going to be responsible the next day and you're not going to, you know, so it's it's so hard to balance it all, you know, because there is, you know, you want that clean mind, that clean body. Like everything is so, again, so closely related, you know, and, and alcohol, you know, I'm, I'm thinking 
um, we were just on vacation, uh-huh. my husband and I. And, you know, you kind of overindulge yeah. and drink every day. Yeah. And, you know, and then you get back and you're like, God, that's such a terrible lifestyle. <laughs> you know? Well, that's what kind of happened to me this past couple weeks. There's been, like, a few little, like, launch parties I went yeah. to and, like, some Instagram collaborations. And, like, it's like, oh, open bar or, yep. like, two free drinks here. Or, like, I had coupons for another place or, like, a gift card for another place for free drinks. And then I went to go see my friend at the bar he works at and he's just throwing me free drinks and I'm like oh my god like I was telling my friend I'm like in the past 10 days I think I've drank like seven days I'm like and not necessarily to oblivion but right. just like yeah oh. when you're, especially when you're not used to it like we my husband and I talk a lot about how we just feel like we can feel the difference when oh, we're yeah. not even it even like one week of not doing it you know you're like wow that feels so good not to have a, a drink this week yeah. because you could you Get into that habit of coming home, having a glass of wine or a, a yeah. mug of beer or whatever, and then all of a sudden you're like, I don't feel that great the yeah. next day, even after one or two. Well, and my biggest problem is I'll have a couple drinks, and I tend to stay up later on those days, yeah. and then normally, my normal schedule is get up early, go to the gym before mm-hmm. work, so I get it out of the way, totally. and so then I start slacking on that, because yep. I don't, I sleep through my alarm, and then it just ends up being this, like, downward spiral of, like, drink, no gym, and then it's just like, oh, you yeah. know, a couple weeks of that, you put on some weight, start feeling like crap, and it's like, <laughs> okay, we gotta, like, get on track again, so that's where I'm at right now, I'm like, couple days back from like okay I'm just gonna like not drink go to the gym get my regular stuff done and then like maybe on the weekend (laughs) (laughs) yeah we try to do on like special occasions and then then it turns into that like oh look we're out to dinner this is a special occasion yeah 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 (laughs) does this count (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) um but yeah kind of going back to um what you were saying about how you want to get more into fashion I'd love to oh yeah that a little bit so I did a podcast uh, on on my podcast. I had two guests on um, that were talking about what was the name of the podcast was Eco Detectives. So both of the girls, I love they, that. Yeah, yeah, they were so super that's how cute. I found you. Actually, I love them. Oh, okay, yeah. awesome. So they kind of opened up my eyes to what was going on in the fashion industry and like just aside from plastic wrapping and whatever, but like the sustainability of the actual, like, the factories, not only on a human welfare level, but, like, animals, of course, too, the shipping, that like, all this kind of stuff. So I'm still very new to, like, learning about, like, eco-fashion and sustainability on that level. Um, I did another podcast with this company called Pact, P-A-C-T. Oh, yeah, we um, Pact. Yeah, they're amazing. So he, the owner, uh, Brent Brendan, he had sent me like a couple clothes to try out and they're like all organic cotton, whatever, a fully sustainable factory. And I learned a whole bunch on his as well. He was just talking about like fair conditions for the workers, which I didn't realize was like such a big thing. I mean, you hear about it, but like, yeah. I didn't realize how bad it was. No, you just, it's again, a d- another desensitization that yeah. we're just not thinking about. Mm-hmm. We don't think about the people behind our products and we yeah. don't think about the animal in our food. You know, it's like, that's why, again, I think it's so closely related. And, um, Another thing that I get frustrated with, which I, I need to take a step back because, again, not everyone knows about it, right? Yeah. But when I follow all these vegan fitness models and, and um, you know, the, the just Instagram influencers or whatever it is, they can be so into veganism, but then they're showing off these clothes that obviously are made in unethical places. Yeah. And I'm like, to me, veganism is... Um, 
is just not trafficking of any kind, right? Exactly. And you're loving the the you know, humans are are animals, right? And, you know, not not the same. But I'm not explaining this right. But to me, it's just so closely related, and we need to think about the humans as well. Agreed. You know, Agreed. not just like taking animals out of our clothing products, but thinking about the people making the products. Absolutely, and that's something that I kind of, you know, I was just ignorant to. Yeah. I I mean, like I said, I you hear these like, oh, there's you know slaves making your clothes in China, and I'm like, whatever. People are exaggerating. Like that's yes. not true. Yeah. And I like I said, still don't know that much about the industry. It's something I actually aspire to learn a lot more about. Watch some more documentaries or something because when I just dug into it a little bit, I was like, oh man, like like when I was talking to Brendan from Pact, he was saying like, okay, so we only use like sustainable organic cotton to make the clothing. And I'm like, well, why does that matter? And and he was talking about the working conditions of the cotton fields. And like, if it's not organic, just even, even if they're paid fair, they're not overworked, everything is completely like ethical on that standpoint, yeah. but they're working in fields that are not organic. They're being exposed to these pesticides, which is shortening their lifespan and giving them like lung disorders and all these crazy things. And I'm like, or they're then going <gasps> on to kill themselves because the working conditions are so terrible in that way because exactly. of the pesticides. It's the same with the slaughterhouses yes. I've read so many studies on the slaughterhouse employees like they're they have the highest level of um suicide rate higher than veterans with PTSD oh my gosh well because it's like what your job is to kill things all yeah. day of course oh and then God. they're in you know they're inhaling the diseases and the chemicals that because you need chemicals to burn the hair off the animals Ugh. and like all this stuff that happens. And it's like, this is not just an animal issue. Yeah. This is a human issue. Yes. And we are destroying our own planet and our humanity for greed and convenience, you oh know? So yeah, I think all of it's connected. It's like, you know, spiritual mindfulness, yes. um, spirituality, mindfulness, and just, just my kind of motto, I guess, for life today. And I'm not saying I'm perfect at it, but the, what I try to do is do the least amount of harm possible with every decision that I make. So whether that's the clothing I'm wearing or the food that I'm eating, and I'm definitely not perfect, but um, just trying to make those kind of choices that do less harm. Yeah, totally. I love that. It's just an intentionality about what you're doing. And, and I talk to, you know, either people on our podcast or our listeners and, or our customers in my store, I always say, you know, it's one step at a time. You know, you don't have to be perfect, but yeah, we, we do have to be more conscious of what's happening and be more aware and then, you know, make decisions about what's important to us that way. So yeah. It's, it's a lot, you know, because there's so much happening. And it is a lot. And I think sometimes people get overwhelmed yes. when they, when their eyes get open to one part of like, just whether it's veganism or, or like government subsidies and start realizing how insane that is or fashion or whatever. Um, and then it kind of opens your eyes to be able to accept that there's cruelty in all of these industries. And, and I think when you start, well, for me, I should speak for myself. When I started realizing how terrible so many industries were, it became depressing and it became overwhelming and it became to a point where I started to feel helpless because I'm like, this is such a big issue everywhere. Like I, I can't even focus on straws, let alone, right. you know, <laughs> everything else that's going on. Totally. And so I, I guess, yeah, just not being hard on yourself and just doing the best you can is really the best you can do. Yeah. You know, I think also in related to that, being open-minded to yes. hearing all of those other things, yes. because, um, you know, as soon as you start, I think it, 
as soon as you start learning about one subject, it kind of then broadens that to your mind to hear about other issues that are going on. So just keep an open mind to know that there is so much to learn and, and being okay with that. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, just like what you said, it, it you become more receptible. I think yes. it's just like all of these things always existed and you always kind of like knew a little bit or like, like saw, you know, you hear little things here and there, but like once you actually are like, Oh my God, like yeah. this is what's going on. Uh, yeah. Your mind is open to hearing about other things going on. So it can be really, it can be heavy though. It can yes. be a lot to take yeah. on. Yeah. And because some of these subjects are really heavy and you, you go up to that farmer John's place and see some really terrible things. Yeah. How do you keep centered and, Oof. and keep going? Man, that uh, that's something that I don't want to say I struggle with. It's I I'm not um, <laughs> I'm not like cured of like <laughs> like some sort of emotional attachment or something. I mean, I think I, the, really the only way, and this is not healthy, would to be completely shut down and detached from all of your emotions. But um, but then that catches up with you in other ways too. Totally. So I I think. The best way is like knowing your limits, first of all. Like I was going up to Farmer John every weekend and eventually I was like, you know what, I need to break yeah. because I can't I can't handle this. Like and I don't think there's anything wrong, especially in the animal activist community, when you're watching this over and over again and, and it's compounded with you post something about it on Instagram and then you get some jackass that's yep. like mm, bacon of, you know, forget know. pigs, like whatever. And like that just adds to the depression and it adds to the sadness and it's a lot to take on. I think being kind to yourself and realizing how much you can handle because if you're not okay, you can't be a voice for the animals or the environment or your own health either. Totally. So I think like personal sanity and personal love and care is super important, which is something that like I never really focused on before. I think there should be a good balance of, um, you know, whether it's activism or just speaking to friends or whatever and self-care. So I think um, meditation or just like taking a walk at the beach or, uh, you know, journaling or I mean, there's a million things you could do to kind of make sure that your own sanity is there. And I think that's almost just as important, if not maybe even more important than being super active sometimes because like as I mentioned if you're not okay like you're not you're not in a position to be helping others yeah you need to fill your own cup first exactly right? yeah exactly and it's it's hard to do that sometimes because we think we need to be doing so much but it's like we really do need to take a step back and it's like I need I can only be good for the world or the animals or the fashion industry if I'm taking a step back and filling my cup first. Yeah. Again, it's not easy to do that, you know? But. No, well, especially when you start realizing, like, everything that's going on and you just want to be like, I want to be there for the animals. I want to be there for the people. I want to be there and I, and I got to tell everyone and I got to do all these things. But then you get burnt out. Yes. Like, there's a point for me where I just, like, I almost, I, I mean, I don't want to say almost, I hit a major depression point in my life where I literally thought I was insane. Like, I went to my doctor and was like, I, and I didn't tell him I was vegan because I didn't want him to have any feelings about being vegan he knows now which yeah that's a whole nother story but um I I didn't tell him why I was just telling him that I was going through a really deep depression and like at a certain point I was prescribed depression medication because I 
was dealing with all the stuff that had happened to me when I, you know, when you're a drug addict, there's, you're not exactly in like a happy place. There's a lot of stuff that goes along with that. And I was also a stripper. And so there was a lot that went along with that too. And there was a lot of depression catching up. And then I started hearing about the animals and all the injustices that were going on there and everything compiled together and I couldn't take it. And I was like, like not suicidal or anything, but just numb. Like I just had no personality and was just like dead. And, and I went on, um, anti-depression meds for like one month, but they made me feel so detached. Like it was just like almost numb in a different way that it was like, forget this. Like I, I need to feel, I need to get through these things. And I went through a lot of like, not only counseling with an actual therapist, but just like self-realization and self-discovery and just like, you know, it's okay to feel sad. It's okay that things happened. Like the point is like, who are you today? Who are you trying to be today? And I think the animals really gave me a big purpose too. Mm. Like that was another thing was like, okay, I can, I can fight for myself all I want, but like, I, you know, that doesn't, that only gets me so far. But then having like a reason, like someone to fight for was like, I, okay. You know, and it kind of gave me this little boost of energy that like launched me on this activist journey which has been really cool so yeah I mean and then like you said just maintaining that balance between self-care and like how much you're doing on the outside because you got to stay sane too and it's really hard sometimes but yeah and I love what you you said about it's okay to feel sad because I think that um a lot of people right now don't understand that like as a society it's another thing we're not we're not told it's okay to feel feel sad you know be a big girl be a be a big boy you don't need to cry it's okay grow like, up let us yeah. let us cry let us have our feelings because feelings are okay we need to understand our feelings to get through they're them. normal yes, yeah exactly and i think that that's you know that's so innately taught from such a young yes. age that we really need to change that story a little bit yeah and i think to be honest, I think in most cases, men have it even harder because yes, they have, 100%. there's this whole like man up, you yep. know, don't be a girl. Don't yep. like these terms that we use that are like totally stereotypical. Like, why did we start adopting that? Like, it was okay for girls to cry, but not guys. Mm-hmm. And then um, like, even me as a kid, like I grew up as a tomboy. My dad was really hard on me too. It was like, you're not allowed to cry. You're not allowed to feel, you're not allowed to blah, blah. And so I carried that on for some time. And then I kind of felt like when I came to San Diego and was like getting off drugs and was like out of the dancing industry and, and just everything kind of hit me at the same time. It was the first like really hard, like cry that I had had because it was just like, almost like what a relief, like my life is shit. But like, I, for the first time have this opportunity to grow, Yeah, you know? So it's amazing. Yeah, it's, an it's been a story. crazy, yeah. it's been a really crazy journey, but like, I'm super grateful for it. Yeah. And, yeah. And I totally agree with that, that other piece that you just said too, like, um, not being able to cry. Like I, yeah. I was this kid, you can ask my sisters, they would so make fun of me, but I was this kid that cried a lot. Okay. Like I was very sensitive. I was just that kid that, you know, everything made me upset. I was just, I had a lot of feelings and I still do. You can ask yeah. my husband, but um, I was told not to have those feelings, right? You know, and, right. and then it made me question. Well, why do I have all these feelings and no one else does? What's that about? You know, so it it made you question who you are. Yeah, and that happened with me with the animals. I could say that even before I was vegan, like any kind of animal cruelty was like the one thing that would always get me. Like, you know, I I would get more sad over animals getting hurt than people. You know, and I was like that from a little kid. So, and to this day, it's like, man, there's 
it's it's still hard for me to cry or like I feel emotional on the inside. It's just hard for me to express it. Yeah. Um. But man, when I see animal cruelty, it's just like I lose it. Like it's it's really hard for me to deal with it sometimes. Um. Which you but know. But it's almost like it's almost like well, I'm having these feelings, but no one else exactly. is. Exactly. That's so, the problem. Yeah. It's it is a problem. That's exactly. Because then it makes you question. You're like, well, how come no one else feels this way? How come no one else understands what's going on? You and know? that's why I think it's really important to like if you're vegan or you're or you're trying to be vegan or you're you're just trying to live more compassionately, like surround yourself by like-minded people. Yes, like 100%. I, I went to an event, um, an animal activist event a couple nights ago at Eve in Encinitas, I and love that place. oh my god, I love it too. And there it's a very like animal rights focused group and um you know they were showing some footage they did they just did an undercover investigation of a uh, chicken farm here in i think it's in la actually and um they so they had a lot of footage and they showed it and i don't like watching any of that stuff but i was like okay we're all in here together there's like 50 of us there everybody's watching it i'm gonna watch it and i'm just watching them rescue these poor tormented torn apart little chickens that i think a lot of people are just like oh they're just chickens you know it's like chicken is the one thing they're like oh i only eat chicken you know like like, as if they don't matter (laughs) as much as pigs and cows and and i was that person for a while too and so watching these videos of these poor birds that were totally just torn apart and being stepped on and just like it was so horrifying and I just lost it and I just started crying and my friend Carl was standing next to me and he just he handled it differently he just got pissed and walked out and so I walked out too and I was just like oh my god like sometimes even being in the middle of veganism and calling myself like an animal rights activist it's easy to forget about those things because we don't want to we don't want to see it we don't want to remember but I think it also it keeps me alive and keeps me fueled to keep going, you know, and try to talk to other people about it. So, yeah, wow, this was such an amazing conversation. We yes, dove into so a much. lot, <laughs> and I I like had so much fun. But I do have one last question. For okay, you. if someone is thinking about cutting out meat or um, becoming vegan or moving steps in that direction, what are a couple small habits or small steps that they can start moving toward instead of like the one night? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> overnight, like yeah. Vegan. Sometimes, <laughs> as much as I want everyone to go vegan overnight, I do understand that sometimes that's not quite as sustainable for people, and there's a higher rate of relapse, so to speak, <laughs> when people do it overnight because they don't understand it. So, number one, I'd say get educated. You need to have your why. So, like for me, it's the animals, but I definitely recommend watch Earthlings, watch watch a health documentary. Like Game Changers just came out. Um, what the Health is another really good one. Forks Over Knives is a good one. Cowspiracy for the environment, like. And what's amazing, they're all so easy access. They're all on Netflix now. So it's so easy. I mean, some of them are even streamed on YouTube for free Mm -hmm. if you don't have Netflix. But you can access this stuff and get educated because there's a lot of misinformation out there. A lot of doctors don't know. They're not taught nutrition in school. They're they're only required to take, I think it's one to three hours of nutritional training to get their PhD. Yeah. They're, They're in the business to prescribe. Not to heal. Mm -hmm. So, and it's nothing against doctors. It's just the way that the system works. So go get educated. Understand that 99% of of any pig products come from factory farms in America. Like when people say they only eat free range. No, you don't. Like, I'm sorry, (laughs) but you don't. Like you think you do. If that's what you buy at the grocery store, cool. What about every other day you go to the restaurant or Mm -hmm. your mom's house or your friend's house? You're not eating. No way. And even if you were, it's still a death of an innocent being. So there... Get educated is my number one thing. Surround yourself by like-minded people because 
family, friends, everybody's probably going to question you and criticize you because that's what I've received a lot of. It's really hard. And stay strong. Like, you know, we, we screw up. Be kind on yourself. Like, there, I mean... I've not been a perfect vegan since day one. I have forgotten to read a label here and there or just assumed something was vegan, but it was actually marked incorrectly. Or one time in Mexico three years ago, I saw a fisherman catching fish right on the dock and I thought, well, that's not so bad. And I had one bite of a fish taco and made myself sick because like mentally because I just couldn't believe that I went against what I thought. Mm-hmm. But it was like spur of the moment having margaritas. Oh, one fish yeah, taco is not? not so bad. Yeah. yeah. And so people screw up, you know, and, and it's fine. You get to get back on track the next time. Yeah. So I guess, I mean, that was a lot of pieces of advice, but just like be kind to yourself and um, at the same time, like keep striving for something better. So you want to do Meatless Mondays, cool. But now maybe let's do meatless weekdays. <laughs> like pretty quick, you know, and, and set deadlines. Like I think I think it'd be cool, like for people that want to transition. Okay, so dairy would be the number one thing I'd say to cut out because of inflammation and cruelty and everything yes. that goes on. And it's so easy. Go get some oat milk. I mean, there's a million different nuts and seeds that oh God, and they're all so good. They're so good so and good. they're like pretty reasonably priced most of the time and you can get stuff like uh califia farms makes an oat milk blend that's literally oats and water there's no sugar there's no preservatives there's nothing else added to it or you can make it at home for really cheap like that kind of stuff is super easy then you know if you say oh i can't give up cheese okay so don't give up cheese but give up all the other things because i hear so many people saying well i couldn't go vegan because i can't give up cheese i'm like well you're still (laughs) eating pigs and chickens and cows and you know what i mean so give up so many other things Yeah. yeah Yeah, that's huge because, I mean, for us, uh, my husband and I, we um, are ve- 100% vegan at home, but if we go out, sometimes we'll have fish or cheese, okay. and that makes it sustainable for us right now. Long-term, long we'd like to eventually be vegan, but um, that's that's where we're at right now. Yeah. So, and I think, like, you have to meet yourself where you are. Yeah. So, you and know, I do think... what you can and where, where, you are, where you're at, you know? Absolutely, and I think that those of us that are on, like, a completely vegan journey should not criticize yes. people like you I think that's that huge. aren't there because it it deters people. People get, you know, vegans already have this stereotype of like crazy vegan. Yes. And there's multiple reasons for that. Like some of it's because of activists, of course. But um, a lot of it is because of the criticism. And it's like, guys, like, yeah, I want everyone to be vegan. But if I start blaming you for having your occasional fish or cheese out there and you start getting resentful because I'm person number 10 that's done that to you. Yeah. And because of that, you go eating animals again. I've caused more harm. Totally. Totally. So, like, and let's be kind, you know? Yes, like, yes. That's the basis of it, right? Yeah. Be kind. Yeah. And um, I had one more thing to say about that. I lost my train of thought, though. Um, it's all so good. Um, where can everyone find you? Oh, thanks. So, I think, I mean, the easiest way is just Vegan Danielle. That's my website. It's vegandanielle.com, Instagram, Facebook. Everything's all the same. So, it's pretty easy. The podcast is on my website as well. But, I mean, if you search on Google, it comes up pretty quick. So, And it's Vegan Danielle podcast as well? Yeah. I think if you just... If if you just type vegan Danielle, it comes up. But I think the full name on there says vegan Danielle podcast. Okay. But yeah. Perfect. Yeah. So thank Amazing. you. This was so much fun. I had a blast. We dove into so much, and I think um, our listeners are going to learn a lot. So thank you. I hope so. I feel like we were all over the place. <laughs> That's <but> okay. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. Amazing. Here at the Philosophy Podcast, we recognize that we do not live in a bubble. We are all connected. 
There are people behind every product we shop for, and we can influence their lives when we vote with our dollar. If you like this episode, take a screenshot and share it on your social media. When you do, you'll be entered to win a giveaway that we will do live on Instagram once a month. Tag us and follow us at The Philosophy Podcast. Good luck. Thank you.